Well, welcome to Big Valley Grace Online. One of the advantages of this lockdown that we're in is that it forces us to think something differently. And today we are on the hillsides outside of Don Pedro. Uh, a wonderful friend has enabled us to be here on his property. And one of the reasons we're here is because of the passage that we're in. For the last two weeks, we've been, Pastor Joel and Pastor Rick have been teaching through Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that section. But that section of scripture, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment, is the conclusion of what's called the Sermon on the Mount that begins in Matthew chapter 5 and goes through three chapters, Matthew 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. It is a unique passage of scripture. It's one of the first messages. In fact, it's the longest message that is in Scripture uh, and longest message that Jesus is, uh, the longest recorded message that Jesus has in Scripture. But it's in the beginning of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, at the end of Matthew chapter 4, Matthew records that people were coming from miles around to hear Jesus. Some have estimated that the crowds were as many as 50,000 people coming all the way from Syria and Lebanon all throughout Israel. For our purposes. It may be like to say that folks from Stanislaus County, Tuolumne County, Merced County, uh, San Joaquin County were coming to bring their sick and their broken so that Jesus would touch them, but also so that they could hear him. So where in the world would you go? When you have a mass of people surrounding you, where would you go? Jesus took them to the hillsides. And this is just like Galilee, if you had the chance of ever being there. And as I thought about this passage of Scripture, my mind immediately went back a few years ago. I had the chance to be in Galilee this time, this time, this time of year. It was uh, in late April, early May. And Israel is on the same temperate zone as we are, which means that when it's spring in Israel, it's spring here. When it's winter here, it's winter there. It's when it's summer, it's summer there. And on that particular occasion, when we were in Galilee, we were on a hillside very similar to this, and the flowers were in bloom. Uh, here today we've got lupin, we have fillery. There's just wildflowers all over the place. And it's on a hillside like these, this that Jesus sat down and began to teach his disciples. At this point, he didn't have all 12 that he had appointed. He had just Peter and Andrew, James and John, maybe a few others, maybe Matthew was there. And he sat on a hill like this and he began to teach them. And what he began to teach them, we would look at it and say, that's upside down thinking. In reality, we're the ones that are upside down. And he begins preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God and what it was like. What, was the kingdom, what does the kingdom of God look like? Or what are the people who are part of the kingdom of God, what do they look like? How do they respond? How do they act? And he begins to unfold in Matthew chapter 5 what we call kingdom preaching, kingdom teaching. A picture of what his people will be like. And immediately he begins in Matthew chapter 5 and he, and he, and he says some things that... The people had never heard from any of their rabbis, from any of their teachers of the law. They never heard him say these things. And the very first thing that Jesus says, he says, blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, the ones who have nothing in their spirit, the ones who are, who are broken and are mourning over their sin. If you're that way, blessed are you. Because I come near to those people who are mourning. I come near to those people who are begging. I come to fill their cup to overflowing. He says, blessed are the meek who know that they need something more than themselves. And as he begins walking through from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, he says some incredible 
things. He says, uh, you've probably heard it said in your synagogues and, uh, that you should not commit murder. But I, I say to you that even if you are angry in your heart, you've committed murder already. They never heard that before. They thought that if they just crossed the line and committed murder, that would break the law. But, but you can sure get angry at somebody. You could sure curse at them and you could do all sorts of vile things to get them. That's okay, but, but just don't cross that line. And that's what they were teaching in the synagogues. They just, they just said, no, that's not God's heart. He's more concerned about what's in here, not out here. And he says, and if, you, and if you're angry with your brother, folks, go make it right. Do whatever you can to make it right. And the kingdom of God will come to you when you trust me and you follow me. And when you do your religious practices, like when you pray, go to your closet. Don't be concerned what other people are saying. This is what he was saying on the hillside on a day like today. He said, do it in secret. And the God of heaven above, he'll see that. And the reward that you'll receive, because you're doing it to please him, it'll be so great. I promise you, it is going to be more than you might ever expect. And when you give, don't give to be noticed by men. Don't give to put your name on a hospital. If that's what it's all about, that's as good as it's going to get for you. But when you give, give to the Lord. Give to please him. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And if no one notices, that's okay because God sees it. And I promise you, your word will be great in heaven. And I promise you that if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, that all the things that the Gentiles worry about, God's going to provide for you. Because, And this is what got me when I was on, in Galilee that day. He said, listen to the birds of the air. And when we were there in Galilee... The poppies were in bloom. They were a little over knee high. It's like the California poppy, only bigger. The field was just covered with orange. And the meadowlarks were flying from flower to flower and field to field. And, and even today, we're hearing doves and we're hearing quail. And he says, listen to the birds of the field. And they don't sow and they don't reap. They don't gather into barns. But I tell you, your heavenly father, he knows when the sparrow falls out of the nest. And he provides for them. And if he cares for the, the, the birds of the field, how much more does he care for you? A whole lot more. And look at the, the flowers of the field. Look how gorgeous they are. And I, and I tell you that, that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed to any degree close to what you see here today. And yet these grasses that are here today and, and just a few, in about a week, this is all gonna be brown and thrown into the oven. He says, how much more do I care about you? And then he says, oh, you of little faith, trust me. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. See if my God won't supply your need if you seek me first. In chapter 7, he says, be careful about judging others. They never heard that from the rabbis. He says, watch out, because when you judge others, it's like, it's like looking at somebody's little tiny speck of dust, sawdust. And Jesus was familiar with sawdust. Because what's protruding out of your eye that everybody can see is this big old log. So what guard your heart? Watch yourself. And he said, be careful about how you judge others. Because in the same way that you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. Love one another, including even loving your enemies, doing good to those who hate you. In fact, pray for those who persecute you. They never heard a rabbi say that. It, it, it was generally understood, yes, you love your neighbors, but you hate your enemies. And Jesus said, no, I want you to pray for your enemies. I want you to do good 
to those who hate you. And as the people were hearing this, they're saying, this is nuts. Who would do such a thing? And as he begins teaching, that's where we get into Matthew chapter 7, at the very end of it, and now he brings it to conclusion. And folks, what he said there that day, it's true today. There's two kinds of people that are listening today. And Jesus says on this particular day, as he would look upon the crowds that were covering the hillside, there were two kinds of people then, as there are today. And as you look at this, and as you, as you look at this passage of Scripture, let me just read it. And then we're going to look at just some basic observations as to what was taking place on this day. So if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. We have read it each of these last weeks, but I, I want you to hear with new ears. And may God give us ears to hear today. And may God give us a heart to receive his word in our life that it would help us to build a strong foundation on him. And I want to say before we read, there will be some of you as we look at this passage of scripture, you're going to say, yeah, that's me. I've, I built my house on the sand and my home has crashed. I have lost everything because I built my life on the wrong thing. And before you check out, I want to say this, this message really is for you today because in a moment I'm going to show you something. It's pretty cool because our God is a God who restores. And so when he gives us these words today, he's given it to encourage us. He's also, he wants to lay a legacy in our life that we can pass on to our children and to our grandchildren and our children's children. He wants to bless us through a thousand generations and he beckons us to come and follow me. And if you do so, your whole family will be blessed. Your community will be blessed. Our state will be blessed. Oh, come follow me. So I want us to hear with new ears. I want us, our hearts to be soft to the things that God is, might be saying to you today. It's not going to be my words. It's going to be his words today. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, 24, and I'm going to read through the end of the chapter because when Jesus got done, listen to what the crowds said when Jesus finished his encouragement from Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. Listen to Jesus' words. Jesus said, since everything that we have said here today in Matthew 5 through 7 is true, that's what the word therefore means, everyone, and I can imagine him looking at this crowd of people around and his disciples, everyone who hears these words of mine, the things we just talked about and more, and he dares to put them into practice. That man is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But the everyone who hears these words of mine and this is the second kind of person that was there that day. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd, they were amazed at his teaching. And they were amazed not because he was so eloquent. That's not what amazed them. They didn't walk away and say, man, wasn't that a great charismatic preacher? That's, that's not what amazed them. They amazed him because he taught as one who had authority and not as a teacher of the law. Isn't that something? 
I'd love to have been there that day, wouldn't you? Would you pray with me right now? Let's ask God to speak with us. Father, I'm really grateful for this privilege on this beautiful day to be in this place that is so similar to where you were on that day 2,000 years ago as the crowds lined the hills and listened as you shared with them the truth about your kingdom and, and what your people are like and, and, and what the nature of your kingdom is. It's Because they thought the kingdom of God was all about power. It was all about conquering the Romans and reigning and ruling with an iron fist. That's what they thought the kingdom of God was like. And you say, no, 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 no. It's not, that's not what it's about right now. It's, it's about lives being changed. It's about lives being different. It's about lives trusting and following Christ, following me, picking up their cross, denying themselves, trusting in me for that which I have in store for them. And so, Lord, I ask you just in this moment that we have, however long or short it is here today, Lord, that you would, that you would be honored, you would be exalted, that we would clearly see you here today. And we'll give you the honor and the glory and all the praise for the work of healing you're going to be doing in hearts today, for the newness and freshness that you're willing to bring and can bring and will bring today to all those who are far off that they may be drawn near today. And so, Lord, we give you the praise and we wait upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a couple of things I want us just to look at. And when I look at a passage, I just take a kind of a step back. And so let's, let me look at the big picture. And I want us to look at the big picture right now, particularly as we get to this, this last part of this. Jesus talks about two different kinds of men, two different groups of people, men and women. And as they were that day, there are... So those same two groups today. In fact, a little bit earlier, it says there's two groups that they're going to go down two different roads. Some will go down a broad road that leads to destruction. Some will go down a narrow road and invites us to come follow him because he's walking down the more narrow road, the narrow path. But in a similar way, there's two groups of people today that are listening. And today you're going to be making a decision as to what you're going to do with the words of Jesus. Not the words of Lonnie, but the words of Jesus. And so there's two people. There's two men representing two groups of people. They were both there that day. Isn't that amazing? They were both there that day. They both heard the same thing that day. They didn't, the, the, the foolish man did, didn't go off and get a Taco Bell thing. He, he was there. He heard it. They, and they both made a decision to build something based upon what they heard. And they both experienced the same kind of storm. The guy who built his house on a rock didn't get a lesser storm. He got the same storm as the other guy. They both had this incredible storm that hit in their life. And, and you know, as I know, boy, that storms are indiscriminate, aren't they? I mean, you can be the, you can be the best Christian in the world, right? Like Billy Graham. I mean, who wouldn't want to be as good as Billy Graham, great man, suffered terribly with Parkinson's disease. And I, that touches me because I have some dear friends who are plagued with that disease. Lord, why, why did Billy Graham get Parkinson's disease? It comes to us all. Why does his sister have cancer? <laughs> it comes to us all. Uh, why, why are some born with disabilities? It comes to us all. The storms of life come to us all. And throughout the course of life, we're going to have various degrees of storms. And in my short life, I, I've been with 
dear friends who've buried their children and have grieved over and grieved with them. And so here we have two groups of people, two men who, he, who were there that day. They heard the same thing that, that uh, they each heard the same thing from Jesus. They both made a decision what to do with it. The difference is, is what they decided to do with what they heard. One man heard Jesus and took his words to heart and says, I want to be a man who follows Jesus. And I know some of the stuff that he says from our perspective seems like crazy thinking. I mean, who loves their enemy? Uh, who does good to those who persecute you? Who rejoices in suffering? But Jesus said, if I would seek him first, and I seek to put him first, and I seek to trust him first, he's going to supply every need that I have. In fact, what will await me is a reward greater than I can imagine. And there was a day in my life, and I remember this as a young pastor, I had offended a number of people very, very uh, seriously. I knew in my own heart I was right. I was pridefully right. And I read the Sermon on the Mount. And I couldn't get past Matthew chapter 5 around verse 40 that says, if you recall that you have offended somebody, you need to stop and you need to go make it right. And for weeks, in fact, I think it was months, I wrestled with, do I want to be a wise man or do I want to be a foolish man? And, and I realized I needed to humble myself and to go to those individuals and to say, what I did and what I said was so wrong, would you forgive me? For, and I had all sorts of reasons why I shouldn't do it. I, I thought about it it's just way too long ago. Who wants to bring up the past? I'm sure they've forgotten about it, but I sure hadn't. It's as though it happened yesterday. And Lord used that passage to do a great work in my life. And I'm far from where I need to be. But it changed my life. It made no sense. But boy, when I yielded myself to the Lord, I was amazed at what he did. And the forgiveness that I found. And the, and the, and the cleansing of my heart when I humbled myself under his mighty hand. And so I was one of those guys that was on that hillside who heard what Jesus said, and I had to make a decision what I was going to do with it. And whether I was going to be a wise man or a foolish man. And Jesus says, the man who hears these things, and he dares to put his faith and his trust in Christ and do them, he's going to be likened to a man who builds his house upon the rock, and that house, when the storms are going to hit, the house is going to stand, and he and his whole family will be blessed. And not only will his family be blessed, but it'll extend, the blessing will extend through his children and his children's children. The Lord wants to do that in each of our lives. But the second man heard those same words. He heard the same challenges. And some of us look at Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 7 like a Perko's menu. And we see the salads and we see the soups and we see all the choices. And we say, I think I'll have that today and I'll have a little bit of that today and I'll have a little bit of that today. And that's not what Jesus is calling us to do, to pick out the things that we find easy to do. In fact, we realize as we look at Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7 and we hear these words of Jesus that we need his help. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to be able to be obedient to him, to have the, the power to humble ourselves under his mighty hand, looking forward to him saying, Lonnie, well done. I'm so proud of you. He wants to say that to every one of us. 
But there is a group of people who will hear these words and look at that and say, no, I, I, that's just too hard to do. That's crazy talk. Uh, if I do that, people will take advantage of me. If I do that, my business is going to fail. In fact, I had a businessman shortly after one of the first times I taught the Sermon on the Mount said, you know, Lonnie, I, in business, you can't do that. In, in business, I can't be this way if, if I want to be successful. That's sad. A person missed so much of what God wanted to do. He calls us to follow him. And the one who doesn't, and he says, you know what, I'm going to pick and choose. Or not today. The Bible says he's like the one who builds his house on the sand. And I have seen some very beautiful houses, haven't you? Gorgeous houses. They look great on the outside. You might even pay huge sums of money to be able to live in them. And then once you begin living in them, <laughs> it isn't long before you find out the shortcuts that the contractor took and the weakness of the foundation and how things begin falling apart. And Jesus says, a man who hears and chooses to ignore them and walk away from them, he's like a man, no matter how beautiful the house is, he's building upon the sand, and it's just a matter of time before the storm's going to come. And when the storms hit, Matthew 7 says, how great is the crash that will come. That's something. So when I look at those two people, my first thought is, what makes the difference? Why does one man, why does, why does two different men hear the same thing, are there present, seeing Jesus, but they make two different decisions? What is the thing that makes the difference? And I think it all boils down to this. It's, it's the issue of belief. They just didn't believe that it was true for them. They, just, they didn't really believe God would be that close for them. They really didn't believe that, that the reward that he has for them in the future is greater than what they can get right now here in this place. It's the issue of unbelief. It makes me immediately think of Hebrews 11.6, where the writer of Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists, that he is God, that he is all that he says he is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he's the end. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Almighty Father. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is all present and he knows me and he loves me. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must believe that he exists, but not only that he exists, because even the demons know that he exists, right? So there's something different about a belief that results in salvation than just the head knowledge. But it's also the second part of it is that, that not only do I believe that he exists, but he'll reward me if I seek him with all of my heart. And that his reward is greater than anything I could ever have here. And that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. Is that the people of Hebrews 11, that great hall of fame, is a listing of men and women who dare to trust the Lord, and you and I can be in that list too. It's all about belief. Do we really believe that God has a plan for you and for me? Do we really believe that we are His workmanship? That He's created us in Christ Jesus for good works which He's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them? Do we really believe that there'll be a time when we will see Him face to face and when we see Him face to face that all these trials He 
will seem really small when we see his face. When he wipes away every tear and he welcomes us home, that, that to hear him say, welcome home, will be worth everything. And no matter what it is I'm facing, these are momentary light afflictions because the Lord is leading me through these things. In a few weeks on a Wednesday night, I'm going to teach about Yahweh Ra. The God of Israel is my shepherd. And when the God of Israel is my shepherd, I got everything I need. Isn't that incredible? The God of Israel knows me, calls me by name. He knows the very hairs that I have on my head. And he has a plan for me for today and tomorrow and to whatever he says, that's enough, Lonnie, you're coming home. This may be the last message that I'll ever give. I don't know. But I live in his hands, eager to see him face to face. So Paul says, and he admonishes as he writes, folks, walk in the spirit. Don't walk in the flesh. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross, follow Christ. And if you do, your reward will be great in heaven. <laughs> Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has in store for those who love him. Let's think about that for a minute. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has imagined what God has in store for those who love him. For those who follow him. Now, I know there's some that are listening today, and they look at this passage and say, That's me. I was the foolish guy. I grew up in church, I went to Sunday school with my mom and dad, and then I walked away from the Lord, and I, I began chasing after other things. And Jesus is right. And I built my house, I built it on the sand. Because it has come crashing down. I was successful for, for some time. And we all have known those. Man, they were riding high. And the crash was great. Because they built their house on the sand. And they, they chose to build it on any, something other than Christ. They chose to build it on their pleasures. They chose to build it upon what seemed good at the moment. They chose to build it upon their own happiness. They chose it to build upon the pleasures of the crowd, the, the influence of friends. They chose to build it on, on something other than Christ. And then it came crashing down. And maybe you're one of those that says, man, it came crashing down. And as you look at this, you might wonder, well, where is the hope then? I mean, what, what, where's the message of encouragement? Because my house has come crashing down. And here's what I think is awesome. Is that our God is a God who restores and who makes all things new. He loves finding broken pieces and putting them back together again. There's a favorite passage of mine. It's in Ezekiel chapter 37. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones. And he takes Jeremiah out there and he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And apparently there had been a great war and in those days, the battles of, were thousands upon thousands of soldiers and men, and the, and the valley was just littered with dry bones. Nobody buried the dead. He said, Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I see a valley of dry bones. God says, Jeremiah, can these bones come back to life again? And Jeremiah, he got this one right. <laughs> and he says, Lord, only, only you can put them back together again. You got that. And he said, Jeremiah, I want you to speak to those bones. 
And I want you to speak life back into those bones. And Jeremiah, I'm going to work through you. And before Jeremiah's eyes, the Lord put those bones back together again. And I think that's probably where we get the song, the knee bones connected to the ankle bone. <laughs> but they came back to life. And I don't know how it did it. I mean, it's the weirdest story to me in the Bible. But this valley of bones came back to life because God, God did it. Uh, right, just not too far from us, we'll show you some pictures of, a, of an old tractor. <laughs> and I have some old tractors on my farm. And I had a dear friend who would travel to areas like this, and when he would see an old piece like that, he says, you know what, can I get that from you? Because I can make that thing brand new. And that's what the Lord does, is he loves to make things brand new. He loves to take what others consider to be absolutely impossible and broken that no psychologist can ever heal. And the Lord says, would you give it to me? I can piece it together to make it look something greater than it's ever looked before if you'll just trust in me. Will you trust me? That's what he wants to do. And so Jesus said, and we, we've talked about this before, but it's, it's worth repeating again. In Matthew 16, 24, he says, if anyone wants to follow me, they need to deny themselves. Put away selfish thinking. Pick up the cross, the burdens that God gives us, and follow him. To do that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he calls me to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit to lay myself into his hands. He calls upon me to wait in prayer, get on my knees and to really seek his face. He calls on me to avoid sin. That's what Matthew 5, 1 says, be imitators of God like little children and walk in love just as I have loved you. In fact, as you follow me, there ought not to be any coarse jesting or any, any ill thing that ought to be a part of your character. Trust me, follow me. So we avoid sin. We ask the Lord to make our hearts sensitive again to the things that please Him and the things that put up barriers between the work of the Holy Spirit because we can grieve the Holy Spirit with our obedience or disobedience. We can, we can put a wall between us and Him and he, he wants a relationship where there's no walls. And don't you want that too? I mean, even in your own human relationship, don't, you, can, you, you can tell the difference, right, between a relationship where there's walls and there's no walls. The Lord wants every wall down. He wants us to be at peace to the best of our ability to be with all men, but, but to be really to be reconciled to Him, to be at peace with Him. So we, we, we do need to avoid sin. But then we pursue the prompting of the Holy Spirit because the Lord invites us to join Him. He invites us. He gives us gifts to be used, to be an encouragement, a blessing to others. And He invites us to trust Him and join Him. And I often think of a bus pulling up and Jesus opens up the bus doors. And he says, hey, Holly, hop on. And of course, we all ask, well, where are you going? And Jesus says, just trust me, Lonnie. But I, tell, I promise you, this could be someplace good. Just trust me. And I have to make a decision whether I'm going to get on the bus with Jesus or not. Am I going to be a wise man or am I going to be a foolish man? And that's the choice that we have today. As we look at the words of Jesus, and I hope that as we are finishing here today, you go back, you look at Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, you, you look at it with prayer, you look at it through the eyes of Christ, and he says, come follow me. Follow me in these areas. Trust in me. Watch what I will do. This can be a great journey. 
And I can't wait, Jesus says, when I put my arms around you and I say to you, welcome home. Won't that be great to hear? And then he says, hey, honey, I got something to show you. I got to show you, I want to show you the things that were hidden in your life that bore fruit for me. That are treasures laid up in heaven that moth and rust will not consume and thieves break in and steal. And I promise you, these treasures won't be small. Hop in. Come on, join me. That's his invitation to you and to me every day. Wherever we are at, no matter how broken we may be, no matter how secure we may feel, to give ourselves to him and to watch him work. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of teaching your word today. I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful setting and could hear the turkeys around us and the birds around us. Lord, this is, boy, this reminds me so much of Galilee, such a beautiful place to be. And on this day, like today, you spoke these words, inviting people to listen, inviting people to put into practice, inviting people to pick up their cross and to following you and watching you work in ways greater than we could ever imagine. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are watching here today, that, Father, that you would speak, you would draw, you would work, because, Father, there would be nothing more exciting than when we come back together again, we are filled with rejoicing and excitement at what, of the great work that God is doing in us, even in this climate today. And, Lord, what a difference it would make in our community. What a difference it would make in our homes for our children to see moms and dads facing the storms together in Christ, trusting in you, setting before them examples that they can follow when they face their own storms. So, Lord, use these, these simple things here today that you'd be honored, you'd be glorified and exalted. In Jesus' name, amen.